0: Chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians, we are beginning into verses 5 and 6. I will share with each of you, and I prayed for every one of you multiple times this week for this text. Okay, as we press on through this text, uh, you will see why I prayed with such zeal 2 Corinthians 13:5 and 6 Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith examine yourselves Or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test Father help us to have ears Father, please, I beg of you all this time that we do not self-deceive ourselves. Help us, Father, to test and examine ourselves with an urgency, my King. In Christ's name, Amen. Last week, I kind of laid a foundation for what this is. Because we are in a strange era in the time of the church. I guess the easiest way I can explain it is I had a Russian pastor explain it to me one time, and I thought it was fascinating. He says he believes that the church in the United States is under greater spiritual oppression than the church in Russia was under communism. And I thought, well, that seems kind of silly. But then he explained it to me, why he believed that. He said, in Russia, Christ is life. He says, in the United States, you add Christ to your life. And if you think about that, it's true. And I'm pretty sure that we're all guilty of it at times. And yet, I read this letter, test yourself, examine yourself. And I like that because he doesn't say examine everybody else. He doesn't say test everybody else. He says, do it to yourself. And then he says what he wants to test for. What? Are you in the faith? See, here's what is amazing to me. Understand this is the fourth Letter to the Corinthians. We only have two. But this is the fourth. Okay. And the Corinthians were being led. The Corinthian believers. I want, I want to emphasize that. The Corinthian believers were being led. By accusations from false apostles. And they were demanding. Proof. Of the Apostle Paul's apostleship. OK. Now, you know, I made a, a comment earlier that, you know, it's really good for a church. To have a saved pastor. OK, it's just I mean, I don't think people understand that that's, that should be important because you know what? I know three pastors right now who pastored for many years who were not saved and they'll tell you they weren't. But they did come to salvation. But they had believed through the stuff that they had been to seminary. They were raised in the church. They'd always believed and all the rest of it that they were saved. And then through a work of the spirit of the living God, they found out they weren't saved. Okay, now you think about that for a minute. And yet here are these false accusers wanting proof of the Apostle Paul's salvation. Now listen, the Apostle Paul, if you don't ever get anything, understand this, he was excruciatingly reluctant to defend himself. Okay, And when he did defend himself, it was not for his sake. I mean, they could say, you know what, you're a little short Jewish man who looks like he's been stoned and left for dead, and you're kind of hard to look at. And he could care less. But he did defend for Christ. For the Lord's sake. See, here's the problem that exists. He was defending for the Lord's sake so that the Corinthians would not be cut off from the truth he preached to them. See, if they disqualified the shepherd... Guess what? What's the message they're going to listen to? Let me share with you a quote that I think is good at this point from A.W. Tozer. Quote, The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that they may enter into Him. That they may delight in his presence and may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. Unquote. That's fascinating, isn't it? Most people that I know today study the Bible to attain knowledge. And that's a waste of time. Why don't you just go memorize the encyclopedia? Because you should be entering into his presence. This passage here, and one of these days I will get back to it. But this passage here, Paul turns the table on his accusers. And he challenges his accusers. He challenges those who are listening to his accusers. To test themselves. To examine themselves. Okay? Now, in this text, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. In the original text, the Greek text, it, the pronouns are placed before the verb. Okay? They do this in the Greek language to bring emphasis. Okay? It changes the emphasis. Here in the English, we have test yourselves. Examine yourselves. Okay. In the Greek text, it literally says, Yourselves test. Yourselves examine. See if you are in the faith. Okay. The arrogance and foolishness to challenge the genuineness of Paul. But you know what's amazing? We're doing it today. We do it today. I will not have women teach over men. Well, he was a chauvinist. Really? He explains why not. Eve was deceived. I will not have women teach over men. Why? Eve was deceived. That's why. The genuineness of Paul's relationship to the Lord. And the Christians in Corinth needed to examine and test their own salvation. Okay, now, we get into trouble with this text. It's true. I've heard it a lot. Chapter 7 of Matthew's Gospel. We all read it. We all know it. And we've all been bashed with it. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. And they don't realize that's verse 1. Okay, Then, Then there are some other verses that follow it. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log that is in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, so when he says, when you're going to judge something, make sure you're seeing clearly. All right. In our text here, the word test is perezo. perizo. The word examine is dokiidsmost. Okay? They're synonymous. Both words have inherent in them the idea of putting something to a test to determine its genuineness. Is it real? The test to see if the Corinthians, and then he says, are in the faith. Now that's a key word, faith right there. That's pistas. Okay? Listen. Many say they are of the faith. Many. I have a man who comes from Sunday Mass, comes to my office before church, and we meet. He is clueless. Absolutely clueless. But golly, he is, I tell you what, faithful to mass. Every Sunday I go to mass. And I hear a homily and I was like a homily. What's a homily? That's it. Ain't that what goes with grits? Okay, but he, he's faithful. And he says, you know, I've been attending that thing for 22 years. This morning he came in, and I finally got to brass tacks of it. It ain't working. Okay? It just ain't working. You might want to rethink it. So I gave him a Bible. All right? This word faith, there are so many who say they are of the faith. Or they'll say, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Okay. Listen, the word pistas is, has nothing to do with the element of Christian truth. What? It doesn't. It has nothing to do. It has to do with the subject. Of Christian truth. Okay. Everybody likes Jesus. That's hilarious. But the Jesus they liked, they invented. If you were religious at the time of Christ, you were called a brood of vipers. And then you would have to say, but I wonder what he meant by that. Okay. Okay. Listen, you cannot create your own Jesus and say, I am of the faith. Listen, he ain't in the manger anymore. He ain't on the cross anymore. He ain't in the tomb anymore. He's on the right hand of the Father in heaven now. And when he comes back, he's not asking questions. He's not going to say, have you not read? Paul is calling for self-examination in the subject of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the gospel. It is way more than the gospel. It is the person of God. And now let me tell you something. I have been praying for every one of you all week that you would examine yourselves... And you would test yourselves. I don't need you to test your spouse. Or your kids. Or your employer. I want you to test yourselves. And I want you to test yourselves. On the faith of the subject of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the essence of it. That's the essence of it. The Bible did not hang on a cross. Christ did. The Bible did not raise in three days. Christ did. The Bible is the instruction to the person and the intimacy of being in Christ. Listen, this is not a new phenomenon. If you go to the oldest book chronologically that was ever written in the Bible, okay, the oldest book that we have, is the book of Job. Job chapter 13 verse 23 How many are my iniquities and sins make known to me my rebellion and my sin. You know what he's saying to God? Test me. Test me. Job's letter chapter 31 Verses 4 through 6. Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? If I have walked in with falsehood and my foot has hastened after deceit, let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. What's he saying? Examine me. Test me. But... Let's take it to one that would be foolish to even dare ask such a question. The book of Psalms, chapter 17. Verse 3. This is a prayer of protection against oppressors. Do you know who's praying it? David. Right? He sort of had some skeletons in the closet. 17, verse 3. You have tried my heart. You had visited me by night. You have tested me, and you find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. Test me, David says. Chapter 26 of the book of Psalms. Verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. 26.2. Psalm 139. 139. 23 through 24 Search me, O God, and know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me to everlasting life. A great preacher named Jeremiah. He wrote Jeremiah, of course. He also wrote one that very few people like to read Lamentations. Oops, too far. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. Now, you understand who he's dealing with, right? A bunch of stiffnecks. Okay? And here's what he says to the stiffnecks. Let us examine and probe our ways. And let us return to the Lord. Okay? And you can see it in the Minor Prophets. Haggai chapter 5. Haggai chapter 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Examine yourselves. We have already looked at it in detail. When we went through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 31. Before you take the Lord's table, do what? Examine yourselves. Why is it we don't want to do that today? We want to examine everybody else's ways. Let's examine and test them. See, probably nobody understood this danger better than the Apostle Paul. His entire ministry, he dealt with it. Men and women in the faith that weren't in Christ. If you're not in Christ, guess what? I don't really care what you believe. I don't care what you believe. Self-deception. I know people right now who probably know more Bible than I'll ever know. But I know emphatically are not in Christ. Well, judge not lest you be just. No, I got the beam out of my eye. I put it in nerves, no. (laughs) You can tell what a person believes by the way they carry themselves. By their conversation. What do they put emphasis on? There are people who talk all the time for no reason. It's just hot air. There are times people says, well, you don't ever say anything. It's a wasted conversation. Now I don't tell them that. But that's what goes through my head. I mean, I I don't need to discuss all this stuff. This is silly. When I think about the people who are self-deceived, listen to what they say. Have you ever seen some of the silly things that we get nervous about or we become anxious about? Ask yourself a question. What is it in this life that steals your joy? It's the simplest question I can ask. What steals your joy? What takes away your peace? Now, I've been accused, we just don't care about nothing. Well no, I do. I do. But uh, nothing that's temporal. Why? You know what? Your car's gonna break down. You're not gonna believe that. It will. Dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know what? It will snow again this year. Okay? And so we're all going, oh, let's just go what I'm gonna do. Intellectually, believing in the truth of the gospel is an excruciatingly dangerous position. Did you know that? Do you ever think about that? Well, no, no, that's silly. That's why I go to church to hear the truth of the gospel. Okay, this next couple of weeks, you may want to hang on tight then. And we'll get handles for the chairs by next week. Turn with me to chapter 2 of Hebrews. Hebrews were not biblically stupid. This letter is a series of warnings... To show the risk of being in church, but not in Christ. Okay? We'll start here, and just, yeah, today we're just going to get one warning. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Okay? I want each of you right now to remember back when you got saved. Okay. When I got saved. Okay. When did you get saved? Right. I I don't care about the date. I want you to think about this for a second. When you got saved. Okay. I want you to think back to it. All right. Because I'm going to ask you some pointed questions. When you got saved, what did you think? Huh? Well, hell sounds like a bummer. So, uh, hmm, what must I do to be saved? Well, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Okay, well, what does that mean? Jesus is Lord. I have been on construction sites and there is a lot of confessing that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Ain't the same. Because I want you to think about it from the writer of Hebrews mind. Okay? Who's he writing to? Biblically smart people. They know what the book says. All right? And he makes this statement, for this reason. Think of your salvation. This points back, that phrase points back to the glory and the majesty of Christ Jesus that is shown in chapter 1. When you think of your salvation, can it go like this? Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. Verse 2 of chapter 1. Can it sound like this? He made the world. Verse 2, chapter 1. He is the radiance and exact representation of God. Verse 3. Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of His power. Verse 3. Jesus Christ had made purifications of sin. He died. He rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Verse 3. Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. Verse 4-7. through seven. Jesus Christ is God. Verse 8. He is supreme ruler of the universe. Verse 13. He will judge those who fail to come all the way to Him. Verse 13. Did you ever come to that, Jesus? Cause if you don't know that one. Now, I just gave you those and I just, just quickly, I mean, chapter one's the most amazing chapter in scripture describing Christ. Okay. But I want to tell you something. If you believe that, what is it you worry about? What is it you complain about? What are you anxious over? What are you angry about? How can you be? I mean, he only upholds it with the word of his power. What does he uphold? Existence. He's greater than any angel. He's seated at the right hand of the Father after he made purification for all sin, for all time, for all humanity. He is heir of all things. The world exists, universe exists for him. He is the supreme authority of that that exists. So what is your problem? He will judge those who fail to come all the way to faith in Him. Listen, these are things you should be thinking about. These are things that you should be examining yourself. These are things that you should be testing yourself. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, For if the word spoken through angels... Proved unalterable. And every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. How will we escape? How will we escape? See, when you think about this person, the subject of salvation, the subject of fiestas, the subject of faith. Do we understand in Acts chapter 7 verse 53 that was the angels were the given messengers to the prophets. They brought the testimony of God. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 19, the law came to man how? Through Moses. But in John's gospel... Chapter 1, verse 17, it says that the gospel came through Christ Jesus. If you break any part of the Mosaic law, you're guilty of the whole thing. That was brought through Moses. What happens if you fail to believe in the subject of the gospel? You're guilty of all things, and the just judgment. How will we, verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now do you see why Paul said, test yourselves? Examine yourselves? Why? Because you've been exposed to it. You've been exposed to it. The writer of Hebrews After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by us who heard. God also testifying with them, those who had seen, both by signs and wonders and various miracles of the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. If you're truly saved, it was a work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't you. That's how pastors can be in pulpits and not be saved. They know what the book says. They have an intellectual ascension to. Yes, I believe this, but they never become in Christ. In him. Brothers and sisters. How many in the body of Christ are not in him, but they are in church. They are in church. Listen, I'm going to close with this thought. I have been uh, preaching for over 20 years in this church. At one point in time, I was doing, I think, five five times a week. Uh, I slowed down a little bit. Okay? I never stopped expounding the Word of God. One way or the other. Do you understand? as with the hearers of this Hebrews letter, that they are more accountable because of the gospel that they heard. And yet there were some... He makes this statement, it's an amazing picture here. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. And he uses a, a maritime illustration here. When a big merchant ship was preparing to come into harbor, one of the things that they do is they call it trimming the sails. They take, they make the sails slack. Okay, so they're not doing anything again. So the ship is moving along. It's been cooking along with the wind. They drop their sails. They call it trimming them. And they're, they're slapped. they just, they just blow back and forth, back and forth, back and back. And what they'll do is they'll drop an anchor out the back of the boat. It's like using a rear brake. And if they were going too fast, they'll use two anchors. And drop it off the back of the boat. And what the terminology that the writer of Hebrews is using here is speaking of a ship trying to get into safe harbor. And maybe he dropped the two acres, but forgot to trim the sails. That's not that big a deal. There's a safe harbor. As I sail right on past it. I see the harbor. I know how to get in the harbor. It's right over there. And they drift right on past. Or maybe they trimmed the sails but forgot to slow the boat down. They didn't drop the anchors out the back. Or anchor out the back. So they just kind of drift right on by. Look, right there. Look. The Lord of the Sabbath. He who rules rest. Listen, if you're not resting, did you just pass the harbor? How can that be? He only rules everything. He has supreme authority over the universe. And if you're worried, or you're not resting, or you're always anxious, or you're always impatient, or things just—it just never works out for me. I'm always mad. You know what? You going to harbor? Or did you take in a whole bunch of information, filled your sails, and blew right by? That's the picture that the writer of Hebrews is giving you and I. And let me tell you something, people. He's writing to biblically literate people. He's not writing to somebody who just walked out of the jungle. These are people who worshiped the Bible. So guess what? The hearers of this letter in Hebrews could not plead ignorance in front of the Lord. Guess what, brothers and sisters? Nor can you. Nor can you. I see people who profess salvation I see people who are in church, but I know by looking at their lives, they are not in Christ. Okay? It's easy to see. Why? Where do they put their joy? Where do they put their peace? What is it they worry about? And the the easiest one to spot where's their rest? Because that's what this letter is about. The Lord of the Sabbath. Lord means ruler. The ruler of, and Sabbat is rest. It was the day of rest. And it's easy to see people who aren't at rest. Okay? Then you ask them about it. And you try your best not to say, Well, that's stupid. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul told a church in Corinth that is an awful, awful, awful city to examine yourselves. It was a church that was lacking no spiritual gift. Examine yourself. Test yourself. My challenge to each and every one of you is examine yourselves. Test yourself and see if you are in the faith. Listen, I watch it. I watch it. It's easy to spot what people get their rest from. And it's scary. I remember a guy who pastors a church of 60,000 made the statement one time that at the rapture, he did not believe there would be enough of us missing that anyone would notice. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of depressing, but not as bad for me as it is for you. <laughs> okay, because if we all disappeared, ain't nobody know. <laughs> but if you got a congregation of 60,000, anyway. At the, I understood what he was saying, because it's like I said, it's like the letter to the Hebrews. There's a lot of people who have intellectual facts. Okay? Doesn't save you. Go do a, a Talmudic study of the Pharisees. They have a greater understanding of the holiness of God than any of us. And yet, when God was standing in front of them, they couldn't see Him. Okay? Examine yourself. Do you know he Who is the heir of all things? Do you know He who made the world? Do you know He who is the radiance and the exact representation of God Jehovah? Do you know He who upholds all things by the word of His power? Do you know He who made purifications of sin? He died, He rose, ascended, and is at the right hand of majesty. Do you know He is superior to angels? Do you know He is God? Do you know he, he who is the supreme ruler of the universe? Do you know He who will judge those who do not fully come to Him? Do you? Brothers and sisters... Do you know him who has put all things in subjection under his feet? Do you know that one? See, that's where your faith has to be. Can't be, well, I know, I memorized Philippians. Good. Good for you. Brothers and sisters, I do not know anything right now that weighs more heavily on my heart than this text. I cannot think of anything that would grieve me more than to find out some of you guys didn't make it because you're not in Him. And the only way you're going to know, test yourself. Examine yourself. We will do that for the next few weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for examining us, even as you did David. Father, thank you for testing us, even as you did Job. Father, thank you that you gave Israel before us the things we should not do. Father, as I look at this letter and I'm reminded of the time that I taught through it, I feel like I did such a poor job. And yet, Father, you bring it back. You bring it back. Father, thank you that you have crowned him with glory and honor. Thank you, Father, that you have appointed him over the works of your hands. Father, thank you that all things are in subjection to his feet, under his feet. Thank you, Father, that in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. Hmm. Father, thank you that he's over angels, even the fallen. Father, may we rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. May our peace be in the Lord of peace, Father, and may our joy come from being in Him. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I thank you for this and look forward to the rest. In Christ's precious name. Amen.